everybody. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Around the World in 80 Drinks with us, the Thinking Drinkers. This is a podcast that celebrates discerning drinking all over the planet. And welcome to this, the last episode in our mini-series, uh, which is all about rum, a rum mini-series. And in it, we're going to be tasting the excellent Venezuelan rums of Diplomatico. There's a picture of Diplomatico. So thank you for choosing our pod. Uh, we're going to do a lovely rum tasting today. If you're new to our pod, thank you for choosing it. And we are the Thinking Drinkers. My name's Tom Sandham. This is Ben McFarland. Hello, Ben. Hello, Tom. How are you? I'm okay. Yes. We're recording this uh, for the purposes of dates and dating yep. this podcast uh, as the, the Americans choose their president. So it's been quite an exciting week. Lots yeah. of good TV uh, while I've been drinking, and I've been drinking some exceptional gear this week, Ben. What have you been drinking? Don't mind telling you. Well, I did a tasting with um, the Hein Cognac Distillery. Uh, over the French, we're doing everything via Zoom now. We are again in the middle of a lockdown. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was meant to go to Hein, to the distillery in April, and couldn't go for obvious reasons. And uh, they released their, uh, their vintages, was it called the Bonnet Vintages? And they sent me four of these bottles. Did they? Why didn't they send me some? Oh, well, you weren't invited. Peasants. This was posh gear. And uh, so they uh, every year they they look at what's in the barrels and they create a vintage that's based on the the grapes of that particular year. And if they've had a good good yield and they've had good grapes for their brandies, they they create a, a vintage based on that so it's not every year uh we had the 2006 and we had this year's um and there were four and they all tasted very different it was a very interesting experience and in fact there was a wine writer in the tasting on the zoom chat room who was talking about why they hadn't got a vintage every year and um mm-hmm. because one of the years i think it was 2007 or 8 was a great year for the for the vines but there wasn't a, a cognac and he in the they, right. they explained it's because they need wine, grapes with high acidity. That's what makes good cognac. Right. And um, and if the wine is great, if the grape is great for wine, it's not necessarily great for for spirit. Oh, for ODV. So they take the high acidity wines that probably don't taste so nice, fermented. But once they fermented them, they distill them, and that's what's good about them. Hein is is a is a great distillery. We will get out there. We will. You will come with me, Ben. You will be. I'll invited. come. I'll carry your notepad or whatever you do to take it. I, I, maybe I could do bad. the old. Uh, you could do the old. Oh, I'll just buy one of those old cameras. So like, <laughs> oh, who's the fat lad? Oh, he's the one with. The, he's a mob photographer. Yeah. Um, You're doing it on a. An yeah. Old point yeah, and yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so well, yeah. so what was it? It was a good. It was a good harvest this year. Was it hot during the uh, during the day and cold in, in, in overnight? Uh, but I would what I would say about uh, the whole wine carry on in the world of cognac is it does seem to be slightly more complex than say the wine industry which which does seem to just be based on hot summers cold nights yeah yeah, tastes of wine yeah and that sort of thing Uh, but it it was interesting having a wine writer on there because his perspective was slightly different but but he had questions that obviously I had because I am also uh, a wine expert like you we've established yeah. our credentials yeah in that in that world which I've probably brings us on to i've got a cravat have you, have you? um because the other thing i'd be tasting which i know you've yeah. been tasting is these, these. Bad boys. well i know i know it looks like well we, we've had these at our desk so we decided to talk about them. yes i've been um 
So Brinking. I should say so just quickly that we we now video our podcasts. Oh yes, yes, um, yes. So we are holding up bib wine company pouches yep. that uh, were kindly sent to us uh, around the time Ben, particularly Ben, you you took the lead yeah. on the, the no, so right. Of, so let, let me give you the background piece. here. Uh, Bibwine.co.uk, uh, a bunch of wine buffs that were supposed to open a bar, a wine bar. Um, when COVID hit, um, but like all good businesses, yeah, they are uh, pivoted, okay, and uh, change direction and just roll with the punches. And they start producing these um, wine packs because obviously had a lot of wine. Um, and these wine, uh, these wine packs consist of six 100 milliliter pouches. So they're a bit like a sort of wine version of the Kellogg's variety packs with your Rice Krispies, your Corn Flakes, and if you've been a really good boy. Cocoa Pops. Cocoa Pops. Yeah. Chocolate for breakfast. Chocolate yeah. for breakfast. We're going to get on to chocolate. Yeah. But, I'd uh, rather have a bowl of Cocoa Pops. So, yes. yeah. Da, 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 so they're, um, but they're, now people might scoff at having wine in one of these, but. Le botte. No, but they're, they're, no, not the body. Not your body. <laughs> uh strange that tangent there tom uh, anyway they're great um they they're good because there's, there's 100 milliliters in there and have lots of different wines so you can taste uh you can get a sample of some wonderful wines that probably cost quite a lot in the, in the bottle and you can expand your wine horizons guys at home um and they do these limited editions every month and they do a zoom tasting and um during lockdown they proved to be very popular um yeah. now my favorite one is this this one here? Which one have you got? Because this is interesting. I've kept my favourite pouch. Did you go by any chance? This is mm. all listeners. This is exciting, isn't it? Yes. We're going to reveal here. Uh, did you go for the um, the domain Jean Marc Astruc? I did. Did you? Yeah, That's yes. what I went for. Well, <laughs> you're very well because so this is from the Fitu region. Fitu mm. wine making wine making region in southwest France, right? It's an appellation. Appellation, oui, 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 oui. And um, he uh, he's called Jean Marc Astruc. He's a he's a French person, and he has <sighs> uh, his wife is Katie Jones. Mm. Who's been making? He's been down and making amazing kind of adventurous small batch wines down there for twenty years. And I've actually been there back in two thousand and four when mm. I started writing writing about wine. <laughs> I went down there and visited uh, and wrote about it in uh, for French magazine and loads of different magazines. It was right at the beginning of my freelance career. Drank loads of white wine, mucked about on a quad bikes, belled around mm. the Languedoc region, which is beautiful, and ate wild boar. Wild boar. Wild boar. And so back in August, we were uh, the Telegraph got us to write about wine, as they do, because they're always always asking us to write about wine. And we're like, look, guys, we're yeah, experts in other fields, just mm. try and use some wine writers. But they were like, no, man, we want you, because you are the new, the new, new gen, the new the generation. New gen. You're the new force in wine writing. And I was like, okay, guys, give the people what they want. And so I, wrote Wait, I mean, we should say to, to anyone who's listening now, still, if you're still yeah. listening, um, we are actually on the the, uh, the um, panel for cool brands. Yeah, so, yeah, man. Yeah, uh, we are. Yeah. I think they recognise that we're just cool guys who yeah. know all about wine as well. Cool, exactly. cool wine writers. Mm. So, um, and we did a, what was, can only be described as a groundbreaking piece in The Telegraph, all about uh, 
wine in pouches and boxes and bag, bag in a box and what is known one one very clever uh, group of people uh, have 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 called it bagnums so they've mm. kind of trademarked that but anyway one of the wines i wrote about was this and yeah. when i tasted this again i don't mind telling you tom it's just it was just magical. as good as i remember um, and stuff, i got a it? very early exclusive tasting of this and i've tasted it again and it's and it's just amazing it's a deep ruby wild and herby syrah driven red and it goes well with uh, Toulouse sausages. I'd have it with maybe maybe a leg of lamb. Yeah. Or, yeah, or if you're being really exotic and you want to be true to its uh, its its provenance, you'd have it with wild boar. Wild boar. Wild boar. So yes, I suggest you go and um, have and go to bibwine.co.uk. Yeah. And get involved because they're right. really nice and they come in these cool little packages. It's all very environmentally friendly. Yeah. It's and nice. It doesn't oxidize and stuff like that. And they're doing it, they've done it really well. Do that. Um, and I've go people... to the whiskey exchange and buy some of the Hein cognac as well, if you like cognac. Yeah. Great for great Christmas, Christmas treat as we approach uh, the Christmas of our year. Uh, but the wine thing was interesting, wasn't it? Because <laughs> it was Tom, um yeah. There, it can be a sensitive bunch, the old wine writers, can't they? And uh, Ben thought it, it was a kind of a, a flippant remark. He, well, he he put this out there and said, hashtag wine writing is well easy. Well easy. But anyone who knows playground parlance, when you said something like that, like, I'm well skill, yeah. uh, which we said all the time as kids, or, I'm well are, good um, at football, or yeah. you are well rubs. Things like that. Well, is a set of pay, playground parlance which we wouldn't really use. Well, I mean, in if our, it was in our serious vernacular, or no. yeah. So, rhyme writing is well easy. Was clearly a bit of a bit of a joke, wasn't it, Ben? Well, I um, I would say it was uh, it was born out of I suppose years of wine writers uh, writing about beer, which is I consider mm. my and not exclusive domain because how could you exclusively own the uh, the whole world of writing about a subject? People are right, free to write about it how they and want. It really, and, and beer really is a piece of piss. It's funny, Jesus Christ, and that really <laughs> is easy. As beer my writer three, of the three times, Ben. Beer writer, well, yes. Yes, Flat well. trap bully, Tom. Um, <laughs> tallest dwarf competition, etc., etc. Anyway, small, tallest small person. Ben. Oh, yeah, sorry. Someone. Mm. Now, I think you can call them doors. Can't you? I don't think so. But anyway, what's me? Doesn't matter. Anyway, Let's move on. anyway uh, it's the same with spirits. Uh, wine writers often write about spirits, write about beer. Uh, we wish we would have, uh, uh, you know, they, they'd go to actual experts, but that's fine. That's, that's mm. the way it goes. So when we uh, wrote a very small piece in the Telegraph about wine, what, uh, one person in particular got rather. I think their, 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 their wine-sniffing nose was put out of a joint and they started sniping at us on a... It really, I think Instagram. it's fair to say, rang the end of his bell. Yeah, it? it really did. Because he turned out to be a complete bell end. Yeah, uh... so he started he started uh, having a go at us on Instagram and Twitter, and just, um, but in a very sort of weird way. But anyway, we mm. ignored him because we didn't know who he was. I had no idea who um, his man was. No, I don't know, and obviously... <laughs> Uh, we're, um, I know we don't look like we're busy people, but we've certainly got better things to do than get involved <laughs> in some futile exercise on on the internet about yeah. on, on the social media. I would just point p- p- interject here with the with the fact that I know we're going to use social media to promote this podcast, and yeah. it does have its values. But yeah. uh, t- t- Twitter spats are for Donald Trump 
and by association, children. Yes. Get I, a flipping grip. I mean, you might as well throw Twitter to shoot people off. Fucking clouds, because it is so no weird. one has ever they're futile. No one has ever gone, actually, you made a good point. I'm gonna back off here. <laughs> so uh we ignored it. And like a lot yeah. of the problems we uh, come across, if you ignore them, they do go away. Um, mm. it's, it's weirdo. Um just sort of stopped stopped doing things. And then it became clear why it'd gone quiet because Apparently, in the meantime, uh, and apparently this guy's a big deal in wine, he'd sent a load of WhatsApp messages to others in the wine sort of Twitter bubble, the wine world, of which we're not part of, mm. actually, um, which were really, really not very nice. And when I say not very nice, they were highly offensive. Um, we've not seen them, but according to an article on Tim Atkins' uh, blog, who's a nice chap. Who's a who's a very big guy guy mm. in um, and it was written uh, it was written on there not by him by someone else uh, she was she was a wonderful piece um, according to her who has read them uh, they were vicious personal and cruel the anger the anger that came off the page was palpable and toxic with crude and angry sentences tripping over too many long words and apparently there's lots <laughs> well he can't I mean <laughs> let's put the guns down. He didn't use alliteration a lot, did he? And open podcasts on rum tasting with spurious, <laughs> elongated sidesteps about anyway, wine. Anyway, to cut, look, we're, uh, we're giving this far too much oxygen. But anyway, it's quite... We, we, so we got... They were apparently misogynistic. They were aimed at young women mm. in the wine trade. Um, it was apparently really awful stuff. Uh, and we, we were completely oblivious to this until... Uh, um, it turns out that we were we were, we we were part were of it. He was slagging we us off. Famous. He was the whole of the wide world, um, and we had no idea because we don't get involved in that. Um, and the only reason we know that is because he sent us out of the blue a grovelling apology via email. And this is after he sent out loads of his lawyer sent out loads of cease and desist letters from people who were exposing these messages, which were spoke were aimed at. Um, other people that were supposed to be private messages, but they were so toxic apparently that people thought, well, I should really tell, come clean, I'm not showing these. Anyway, um, he's going through a hard time. Apparently he's having a hard time during lockdown, bless him. I think he needs a cuddle. I think, I think we probably all are. And, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. There's no real reason to really... dig out people who really couldn't give a monkeys about who you are. I mean, we'd, we'd name this man because we, we have been told his name, but yeah. we didn't know who he was. And frankly, I, I doubt anyone who's listening really knows who he is. So best just to not give him any more. Yeah. <laughs> well, but if you do want to um, just check out, because uh, it's it is, what it's laid bare is the, uh, the 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 widespread misogyny and the power of the patri patriarchy within the wine world, and mm -hmm. this idea that it's um, it's a rather male dominant white male posh dominated world has has been rubber stamped by the, the this guy's um, ranting. So um, go to uh, Click on hashtag wine bitch yeah. <laughs> on Twitter and search for it, and you'll see that it's been quite the storm. Well, although he tried to rubber stamp it, I think one one of the things that was really interesting was the number of people who who uh, came out in disgust and the and the diversity of some of the voices coming through mm. that channel. So there is a bit. There's much more diversity in wine and uh, and just like spirits and beer, it's it's just a case of not letting 
the voices that, that trample on that have a have a have a platform. So yeah. it seems like it's it's being corrected. And if you yeah, if you go on hashtag, hashtag and what was wine, it, what was what was incredible? Wine, is it hashtag wine dick or wine no uh, bell, wine bell, bell wine is it bellend. hashtag wine? Yes, I think it wine was prick. What's his name? Massive cork <laughs> sniffing bellend. Um, <laughs> no, uh, it's hashtag <laughs> wine bitch. And also, because that was that was the uh, the nom de plume of his his WhatsApp uh, messages. Um, yeah, oh, yeah, it was pretty bad. It was pretty anyway. Bad. So um, we said our piece. Yeah. Couldn't, the fact is, the more we say about it, the more it looks like we care. We really don't. Um, no, I did one thing. I did. I did uh, take umbrage. Uh, <laughs> sorry, just because we haven't seen what he wrote about us, um, and we have no. I, I'm not bothered about seeing it. But what I am bothered about is during his apology. He apologised for punching down, which mm. I thought was pretty fucking ballsy. Oh, wait a minute, wait a buddy. minute. <laughs> yeah. With you. yeah, don't know who you are. And no. did you know that I'm the IWSC Spirits Communicator of the Year? So well, that's the, funny enough. He actually, I think, he won that award on the wine side. Um, so who's he punching down at? Yeah, um, and well, no. if he's punching down there, down then, I don't think he's punching down anymore because he's been shunned. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, when we, we if we ever meet him, I'll rather than kick his face in. Uh, I think we're just going to give him a cuddle because it sounds like he needs one. Um, so anyway. One day, one day when this when this podcast is uh, hugely popular, more popular than it is now, thousands of downloads. Thanks, guys. But you know, when it gets to the twenties and thirties and fifty thousands of downloads, yeah. um, then we will bring back Sam Caporn because although yeah. we are wine experts, it would help to have Sam Caporn, uh, the mistress of wine. Yeah back in the room she's the, pro- uh, she's, she's the real deal yeah 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 deal. yeah she's the wi- she's the wind beneath our wine wings indeed but well, anyway we're not talking about wine today we're talking about diplomatico which yes. is why there's a picture of diplomatico behind us well more specifically we're talking about rum and it's the last in our rum mini series uh, and what we wanted to do in this final episode is talk a bit more about neat rum we talked about cocktails and all the rest of it uh, in the in the previous the history but today we're going to focus on rum and pairing it with some mm. food specifically we are going to pair it with chocolate now ben and i have done a lot of food and drink pairings over our our time there have been trends. Brands have tried to really jump on a bandwagon of food and drinks pairings. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. It, from my perspective, I've done a lot of spirits and food pairings and it can be a bit tricky. We did mm. a really successful food pairing with Jamie Oliver uh, when we were writing for his magazine and working on his uh, uh, Ooh, tube site. Can, can, can I just pick up that name you just dropped? Uh, yeah, Kalang. Jamie Oliver. Yeah, Jamie. Hi, James. Hi, Jamie. Uh, anyway, so Jamie Oliver asked uh, for, for a bit of a pairing with, with spirits and food. And in that, there were pairings mm-hmm. uh, like gin and duck, because we worked with uh, juniper gravy. We also oh. sort of vodka with raw fish, Schledger. not unusual. Schledger. The Russians do things like that. You can do it with smoked salmon. You can do aquavit. Yeah. Like. Um, so there are ways to carry spirits from a martini intro through to uh, vodka and gins in fishy dishes or uh, big hearty whiskies or old fashions that could go with nice meaty dishes. It can work. But the reality is what we've always said, you don't need to do a spirits and food matching. You don't need to do a wine and food or indeed a beer and food, which you can come on to, Ben, because you, mm. you should you should be 
eclectic in your choice you should go from yeah. something like maybe a beer starter with your nuts to uh wine with your main and maybe yeah. a spirits with dessert and really for me that's where spirits come into their own when it comes to things like whiskey with cheese yeah. or rum with chocolate but the same rules apply with beer don't they well um, yes there was um when i first started writing about beer way back when Tom, way back when um uh, beer and food was becoming a, a big thing. Beer and food pairing. Obviously, if you go back centuries ago, people would have drank beer with food, but that was out of necessity rather than choice. Um, and um, I think beer looked at the wine world and thought, well, they're stealing a march on us. There, it's always and beer used to be the thing that would be on the din- dining tables of, of, of everyone in Britain, but then then wine came in and, and usurped it. Um, and beer wanted to become a bit more like wine and wanted to you know, make itself look a bit more sophisticated. And the best way of doing that is to make it compatible with food, with cuisine. And so there's been a big push across all, all styles of beer, all levels of um, big push to promote beer as an accompaniment to food. And I think there's a lot of, um, a lot of truth in it. There are, beer has a huge spectrum of flavors and aromas that, that go very well with, with food. Um, uh, I'd say p- potentially more than wine, um, but I'm yet to be convinced that, I'm, I'm, that a, a, a four or five course meal with a different beer with each each dish, I'm yet to be convinced that that really works because mm. I'll be honest, the carbonation for me becomes too much of a factor. Um, and I don't think it will ever take off massively, mainly because in restaurants and pubs that are serving beer with food, they're less likely to promote it because the sheer margins on wine mean that they're missing out on some, some big profits. Um, and, then, and that's before you've even got over the hurdle of changing people's perceptions. But where I think beer and food pairing really does work is a bit like the spirits. Um, I think you need to pick your battles. I mm. think as a starter, like an aperitif, if you have a nice fruit lambic beer in a champagne flute before a meal um that instead of a, a say a glass of white wine or a or a champagne or a prosecco that is that's brilliant because that is it's it's totally it's a very easy way of convincing people that beer can be just as complex and sophisticated and as aromas as as wine and then at the end of the meal you can have beer with cheese that really does go well mm. with, with mm. beer goes which is um you have vintage ales which are like ports um it goes beer and chocolate goes very well so there's lots i mean there's i just think that this idea that someone's going to be drinking the uh, beer all the way through a meal it's, it's a good one to prove the point but yeah i've never done it at home uh, no. i like my wine too much as as well we know and i'm quite the expert on it so um uh i i like i think beer and food is something that people should explore and it's a bit cheaper as well and one one of the beer and food pairings i've been doing this week tom because it was halloween like well last week i've been eating bugs because yeah. hobgoblin beer do you know hobgoblin beers they're i do which yeah they're Huge a bit of a classic real ale been around for ages yeah. they've they they've kind of repositioned themselves as a halloween beer unofficial of course um uh, and they do a really decent IPA and they've got a lovely ruby beer, a really good imperial ruby beer. But they sent me some crickets and grasshoppers and sort of um, bug protein stuff. I'll get it. Uh, what was it? Uh, cricket protein. And you put it in like um, 
stir fries and stuff and grasshoppers and yeah it's quite traditional yeah yeah, yeah. To but anyway Asian they're very nice i'm gonna eat them now uh i'm gonna eat it very close to the mic so you can hear the crunch they are they, they are crickets i mean they are and then these cricket. ones are the smoky <laughs> it's not cricket they're, no it is cricket oh these are smoky yeah. barbecue mm. pick it out it's a bit like the, the, the sound of those chipper crickets in the summer yeah. evening. Yeah, well, they're going to keep me awake. If you're eat. a vegan, we apologise. No, they're bugs. Uh, but this is... I've eaten a lot of bugs, actually, on summer evenings on my bike. And weirdly, yesterday I went out, and we're now in November, and mm. it was a, there were swarms of little midges everywhere. Very, not very tasty. No. And not a great pairing with beer, I'd imagine. No, but these bike. are a good pairing with beer. I'm just having good. some with okay. my VA. Hmm. But um, more more pertinently, more importantly, I suppose is rum and chocolate. No, no, no. <laughs> Very quickly, insects are going to be the next big thing. They're they're high in fiber, high in protein, low in carbs, low in sugar, and they're low in carbon footprint. They're very sustainable. They use very little water uh, or food, and uh, you don't have to well, compared to cows and that. Uh, hmm. You don't have to have massive fields. And remember, when we were in Oaxaca doing our yeah. exploration. We met that woman in a restaurant from the UN who was doing a PhD in grasshoppers. Yeah. Um, what a type, what a student. Anyway, she reckoned they were going to save the planet and end third world poverty. And um, by the end of talking, by the end of talking to her, I was convinced. Um, and they're very nice. And I'm not eating carbs at the moment, so and they're full of protein and they're like crisps. So there you go. I tell you what I did. I did a, it's I, I baked up my pumpkin seeds rather than uh, just chuck them in the bin. I uh, I coated them in um, olive oil and then paprika, yeah, uh, chili, and salt and pepper, and baked them in the oven. And I'm eating them. And I tell you what, they, oh, they, I, I, they, the following day, really? <laughs> I had quite the evacuation. Were you pumping? Station. You pumping all day. Pumpkin. It was just. It was just. It, yeah. Floods right through you. I they're very good. They're very good if you've got any bit of a sort of blockages. Any blockages, pumpkin seeds. Bit like Halloween, bats out of a clock tower. Yeah. Ooh, scary. Something was scaring the shit right out of me. It was pumpkin <laughs> seeds. Not the not the scary faces, the seeds. Yes. Anyway, so that's our uh, our food and drink yeah. wider perspective on things. But yes, we are today specifically talking about Venezuelan rum in the form of Diplomatico. Why are we talking about Diplomatico? Uh, well, they wanted to work with us. They heard, heard our podcast, knew that people were listening, and we said we wanted to talk about rum. So they suggested that they work with us on rum, and we wanted to do this mini-series. And they've got loads of different rums being made at the, the distillery. So it has provided us with all the stuff we've been talking about in the, the three series. And particularly, I would say, sipping rums. Yes. We've been using Diplomatico rums in our uh, critically acclaimed theatrical performances yeah. and tastings. We use it because it does change people's perceptions on rum. It's a very sweet, rich, chocolatey rum. People who think they don't like rum or only have rum and coke, they have something like a Diplomatico Reserva Exclusiva, and we find it completely changes their perceptions and sort of sets them on the path to discovering lots of interesting and complex rums. They use lots of different te techniques at Diplomatico. So we've talked about this before, but they're kettle pots, pot stills, column stills. They use lots of different maturation processes in different woods. They use molasses, which is refined sugar. They use sugarcane honey. So the rums are ideal for us when we come to talking about the category as a whole. Um, now we've got the Diplomatico uh, Reserva Exclusiva here today. We've got 
their Mantuana, and we've got the new one, which is Selection de Selection 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 de Familia. Watch Narcos. Watch some cartel films and series on Netflix. You can perfect the accent. Familia. Uh, they're all cultivated uh, in the surroundings of the Venezuelan city of La Miel, La Miel. Uh, which is in the heart of the Terrapima National Park. Why that's important is because they've got quite a unique climate around there, sort of really rich soils there at the bottom of the foot of the Andes. So they've got quite unique climate conditions. And with all this, all these different techniques they use to make their rum and mature it, uh, there's plenty of variety going on there. Mm. And they've also got two rum masters tito cordera and nelson hernandez uh, so they've got two of these guys who really know their business so that's why we're using them isn't it ben it's and, it is. now yeah. it's all about age rums now most people the vast majority of rum i'm right in thinking tom is consumed in the world is probably light clear rum uh often uh drowned in coca-cola or other mixes and most people don't probably think that it's just can it can be just as complex as a cognac or sophisticated as a single malt whiskey but this is all about the age rum sipping rums and as you can see i don't know if you can see this on the camera but um for people just in the audio visual audio format rather i'm holding it up and it's a lovely golden amber color the rum's color is a direct direct result of aging in oak casks and uh most commonly they're american oak casks which have previously been used to mature American whiskey or, or bourbon. Now, this type of oak is very rich in vanillins, which gives the rum its vanilla aroma. So I smelled it there to really yeah. hammer home the idea that it's an aroma. And then rum ages quicker in this in the Venezuelan climate uh, because um, uh, than it does in say Scotland, where it's a much much chillier. Because in the tropics, when tropical aging, sorry, I've got cricket in my mouth. Hang on, let me just take a look. wait a minute. <laughs> Come back. People do repeat on you, on. jumping yeah, up your throat. They do. Jump down. Um, uh, so that in, in that heat, because the, the the differentiation with the heat during the, in, in the evening and, and during the day, it means the wood expands, opens and closes uh, to, to a much wider degree. And that lets in uh, uh, the, the, the rum to soak deep into the wood. Um, there, therefore, it has more interaction with the wood, therefore more colour, and then it picks up more with the vanilla in, influence. Now, the Diplomatico rums are mostly rested in these uh, former bourbon and, and, and malt whiskey barrels, but they also, uh, they experiment with different different woods, different oak, uh, and they they use Sherry Oak, Pedro, Pedro Jimenez, and Oloroso Sherry cast as well to finish. So they, uh, right at the end of the aging process, they'll finish them in single vintage and uh, uh, in, the, in these sherry casts to, to produce their single vintage and ambassador rums, which are, again, another step up. Yeah, are, so they've I mean, got a range. They are designed for sipping, very much so. I mean, they're obviously very versatile. You can you can put them in, put Coca-Cola with them if you want, you, uh, well, you and they make a yeah. nice rum and coke, but we suggest probably a waste. No, I mean, having said that, we've got the Mantuana, uh, which we'll taste first with our chocolate selection, yes. which we'll get on to. We're going to drink it neat. We think it can be drunk neat. It's a, it's a lovely rum, but it's also designed to be used in, in cocktails as well. So you can you can use these rums in cocktails, and we've talked about the Diplomatico Reserva Exclusiva old-fashioned. So you can use them for mixing, um, but the good thing is that they are something you can 
um, at neat. And just a quick overview of the three rums we've got, Ben. The Mantuana, that's a blend of column distilled rum, so lighter spirits, and then they've used rum from their batch kettle and pot stills. Um, it's made from molasses and sugarcane honey, and that one will be aged for up to eight years. So that's the, yep. the, the first one in our tasting. Then we're going up to the Diplomatica Reserva Exclusiva, which is the one we know very well because it's the one we always sample in our show. People love it. It's rich, it's sweet, it's a great sipping rum. It's like catnip amongst the crowds, isn't it? People love it. it. Is. Mm. All ages, uh, over 18, obviously. Uh, it's amazing stuff. My my wife's grandma, she's 94. I think she might be 95, actually. And apparently she took, I gave her some miniatures of this because she loves it so much. She took it kayaking a few weeks ago. Like she's wow. Yeah. Anyway, it's, um, it's, uh, it's really good. It's, it's lovely stuff. Yeah. Uh, and then finally, we're going to do we're going to do three today. And we've got the uh, Selection de Famille, Famille, which is, is if you have already been listening to us and you've already got involved in your world of Diplomatic Area Reserve Exclusiva through our shows. This is kind of this next step, really. Uh, so this is uh, 12 years in a combination of American white oak and ex-bourbon and ex-sherry casks. So it's a bit more complex. Uh, it's got some uh, drier notes in there. Some the Oloroso sherry barrels give it a bit of a, a different finish. So there's more, maybe more raisins in there. Uh, it's it's very complex. Uh, so it's a nice sort of transition um, mm. up to the next level. You can see they've, they've they've only just launched that, but they are all available on the whiskey exchange. So if you now get to the point where you'd like to be involved in tasting these as we go, now's the time to press pause, go onto the whiskeyexchange.com and order all three, frankly. Or alternatively, listen now and then get on a different computer or device and download the thing again, which means you get two hits and do it with the rums. Yeah. I mean, we don't. I don't have any uh, of the vintage... Uh, uh, the Diplomatico Vintage. They mm. do some vintages as well. Um, we did. I did have some 2005, which was sent in a fantastic tasting that I did with these guys. But as you can see, I have I finished that. And um, then there's the Ambassador as well, Diplomatico Ambassador. So once you get into this, the top end um, Ambassador is uh, Pedro Jimenez Sherry Casks, and it's a bit more like a port. And that'll set you back a couple of hundred quid. So that's where you get. There's a real journey to be had, isn't there? Is. We wouldn't really be talking about them if we didn't really like them. So no, uh, no, no, no. We could have done. We uh, lots of people have talked to us about being on our show. And we uh, did do a bad book with WKD, but that was back when that we was when we really, really needed really the money. Desperate. We did need the money. Yeah, <laughs> that's where someone in the world in the wide world could legitimately have punched down. Yeah. I don't know. Not anyone in the kebab world. No, we, no, no. We, we, we really we were, did our homework on we that. Fuck Don Donners in that world. Um, uh, so we chocolate. have been pairing pay them chocolates. with chocolates. What That's chocolate? what you need to do. That's right. what you should be doing. We're getting to Christmas. Uh, people talk about uh, something like a Bailey's after their dinner. That seems to be a standard at Christmas. Sales go through yeah. the roof. Uh, <laughs> there's, a, there's a, like a pirate pun in there. Yeah. And. And so, but we are we are advising you to uh, improve your liquid lives, get a bit more discerning in your drinking, get chocolate with your rum. Yeah. This is a pairing. You do it after dinner. Sit down to watch EastEnders on Christmas Day and um, and have some of this gear. And chocolate's brilliant. Who doesn't like chocolate? Well, I mean, do you know one of my big bugbears about boozers is the fact that um, 
and restaurants, in fact, is that you can't just get a nice bit of chocolate after a mm. meal. Sometimes I'm, I don't want a whole pudding, but I want a, a, a rum or a whiskey after the meal. And I just want a little piece of chocolate just a or dip. maybe a chocolate bar. Or such as something. Well, this is where you. Or maybe I'd like a, an, an entire, entire grab bag box of chocolates. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's where you start to come off the rails a bit, Ben. But yeah, I agree. Just a small amount of really good, high quality chocolate yeah. next to something like a diplomatico. That is, it, it. It it satisfies now as I get older. That demand for something sweet at the end of something. Savory, it's a treat. A really I deserve it. Uh, I deserve but my palate expects it. As but well. also, I just want to have a nut. Yeah, it would. If you saw a menu, uh, Diplomatico rum, you go, oh, Yeah, that'd be nice. But, hmm. but if they said, We're serving Diplomatico rum with some very, very artisan chocolate, hmm. you'd go, Oh, I'll have that as well. And I'll probably pay, instead of paying nine, ten quid, I'll pay ten, 12 quid or yeah. something like that. Upsell. So, That's called an upsell. It's about mate. margins. It's upselling. Anyway, any any publicans or restaurateurs, you can have that for free. Yeah, they'll need it. Fuck knows, they'll need it. Uh, harsh times, man. Come on, go to your local when they're open again, please, yeah. please, people. Just go, your go and buy booze from them, beer, mm. anything. Just go, anything. To them. Just go and sit in there and, and make them feel better. Anyway, um, what chocolate have you got? Well, I've got lots of different chocolates, but I was going to give the the, the pod pod bods a little bit of a chocolate background. It's go nice to, for us when sometimes we go into a different subject matter that isn't spirits, beer, yeah. or wine, which we're experts on, yeah, yeah. Um, and we end up talking about something All like right. chocolate. Come on, then. so I, I just get to do some reading about something I didn't know much about. So yeah. these guys behind us are the Mayans, and in Mayan times, the cocoa bean was used as currency, so it was considered by them to be worth more than gold dust, which does make sense if you think about it in terms of a precious metal. What can you actually Actually do with that whereas with the cocoa cocoa dust you can eat it yeah so it does bring some genuine joy and uh they their cultivation was of the beans was actually restricted in the early civilizations uh so the value of the cocoa bean would go up or down a bit like an olden day stock market i suppose mm. um which is quite so, roll away back there so it's a chalk market the chalk market very good ben. i can't believe that didn't just come to me you can have that earlier uh the first chocolate bar that we know of was produced at this place fries of bristol in 1847 and i i put the fries of uh, for those who can see our video the fries factory up because it really does look a bit like roll dolls um chocolate factory doesn't Willy it? wonka's Willy wonka um, and their first chocolate bar that was ever retailing then was called the fries chocolate cream see, my my mum loved well, still do, does. She used to always have fries, chocolate cream, or some of their other variants in her handbag when I was little. Really? Yeah. Used to... It's not. A, it's not a bar I'm particularly familiar with. Oh, it's lovely. They used to have one called Fries Five Centers, and each mm. uh, each chunk had a different f um, fruity fondant filling. Okay. Uh, uh, it was a bit like, and it that was the same time. Honestly, I don't want to get all retro. Do you remember when? But that they used to, I used to have that, and you'd have Quattro with it. Yes, I don't remember Quattro, of course. Yeah, swimming yeah. pool, so a swimming was... pool standard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, in 1912, the big one was the Goo Goo Cluster, which was the first mass-produced cocktail, uh, cocktail combination bar. So that would be a precursor to the things you're talking about. The but they had marsh oh, that's marshmallow, nougat, caramel, and roasted peanuts. Um, but also uh, chocolate, like like alcohol, as we've 
you've got the picture there behind you of yeah. the World War One soldiers who were sent chocolate on the front line to boost morale, like alcohol. Yeah. Chocolate has been used. Uh, and the military still have it as in, in the US, the military still have it as part of a, their, their ration, uh, which started in 1937. And they still give troops in the basic field ration, uh, their sundry packs. They still get That's chocolate. Cool. So they get a Hershey bar. Can you remember in Empire of the Sun? Where, mm. um, who's the guy? Who's the kid who played? Um, Christian Bale played. Christian Bale. Yeah. Wasn't, didn't Malkovich? Was Malkovich in that? Yeah, he goes, yeah, do, you wanna, so, do you want yeah. a Hershey bar kid? Yeah. Yeah, it was a big. Yeah, there you go. They probably still do. It's their big brand, isn't it? A bit like our dairy I milk. I don't like the Hershey. I don't like Hershey. They can't do chocolate, the Americans. Oh, oh, it turns out elections. Anyway, uh, this is a picture of Shackleton at the Antarctic in 1908 uh, because uh, he went with a supply of whiskey, which we've he talked did. about in our podcasts and our shows before, and he went with some cocoa, cocoa cocoa yeah in a tin uh which was also found with the whiskey completely really? in, intact in excellent in excellent condition it was described uh some round trees powdered chocolate so he took actual coke as well as cocoa he took coke didn't he frozen mm. march they thought it would cure snow blindness um did they though <laughs> i don't know it's a very good excuse but imagine me stuck in a hut no, dear, well, I'm mean. taking it because it cures snow blindness. Right? Is it every yeah. 12 explorers in a freezing cold hut all doing Chang and whiskey? What do you do when you've done Chang in the Arctic? <laughs> <laughs> right, that's Let's talk to uh, each other, talk God, over each is, other. This awful. is hell. <laughs> I've got nowhere to go and the same people to talk to. Oh, horrific. Although maybe without without cocaine you'd be in even worse trouble yeah uh, don't do drugs that, drugs are for mugs we drugs don't do mugs. drugs we don't drink drugs. that's yeah. that's yeah, our yeah, drug yeah, yeah. but also chocolate today because it yeah. is a little bit of a drug yeah um so joseph roundtree and interesting on this fact joseph roundtree was the man who created the roundtree chocolates but he was a quaker and he actually frowned on the abundance of alcohol oh, he was yeah. part so he promoted chocolate drinks as an alternative to not to the same alcohol they're not the it's same, not the same. But have this, Joseph, we know he wasn't a teetotaler because it turned out uh, there was a list that emerged years later that, that proved he was actually buying wine, beer, and he, in 1874, purchased a dozen bottles of champagne. So, what a hypocrite. Anyway, the um, next pitch you've got, I like the look of, what's that? Is this, uh, oh yeah. Well, this comes into the recent study on chocolate, which brings us to yeah. the modern age. A study of 2,000 adults found the average person would also indulge themselves in 3,024 mugs of hot chocolate, 126 Easter eggs, and feast on 2,898 miniature chocolate bars over the course of their life. This was actually part of a poll that was right. led by, believe it or not, oh. the British Heart Foundation... <laughs> They ran a poll. Now, I assume it was to uh, draw attention to the fact that chocolate is bad for you. And it, and it should be said that uh, chocolate can be bad for you. It contains the theobromine, uh, which can be uh, the cause of heart failure. Theobromine poisoning can lead to heart failure, seizures, acute kidney damage, damage and dehydration. And it's to evolved. ingest... Yeah. To ingest enough theobromine for it to be fatal, though, you'd have to eat 22 pounds... So Americans for you, or in our parlance, 40 bars of chocolate in one sitting. Ben? <laughs> come close. I've come close, but 
I know. Well, well, the thing is, no I, cigar. <laughs> no, I've come close, but I haven't. I think the those figures are um, they've over they've over factored the um, the, the hot chocolate. There's no way I've drink that much hot chocolate. No, it's a funny one, isn't it? Well, definitely the kids are more than to get chocolate, into it. normal chocolate. But the hot mm. chocolate. I mean, I mean, how many? When's the last time you had a cup of hot chocolate? Three thousand and twenty-four mugs over the no course way. of your life. No way. And that's the average person. I mean, I'm a I'm above average. So yeah, there's no uh, everything way. else I do. So that yeah, means I would drink yeah. more. wine writing, wine writing oh. particularly. <laughs> Hush tag. Wine writing is well easy. <laughs> Wine writing is well easy. <laughs> anyway, home, that was, so so the poll of the British Heart Foundation put into order the top twenty bars that are purchased in the United Kingdom. And would you like to hear this list, Ben? Yes, I, think I do. You would. What do you think was uh, number one? What do you think was number one? As I've not in the UK. Time? In the UK, the number one. Selling... No, nope. I'll give you three guesses. Do them quick. Um, uh, Twix. No. Nope. Snickers. Snickers. Really? Whoa. Snickers was number over. one. Well done. Well done. Uh, Dairy Milk was number two. Galaxy Bar three. Number four. Really? Bounty. Gal- Galaxy Bar. Was... Well, it's going to get more. It's going to get more stunning. Bounty was number oh, four. No, no, that polarizes opinion very much. Bounty. So. Can you imagine that being an? I don't mind a bounty. Yeah. Um, I've got one here. Where is it, Ben? It's on your head. I put a bun- you put a bounty on your head. Very good. <laughs> Do you remember we did that one, Kofi Annan? Yeah, and then <laughs> <laughs> there's no more bounty on his head. Um, unless he was buried with one, who knows? Could it? Number big... five, <laughs> number five was a Kit Kat classic. Yeah, that that was above number six, Twix. Hmm. Seven was a twirl. When was the last time you bought a twirl? I bought, I, got, I went big on twirls when they first came out when I was a teenager. Mm. Um, but they, they, I think they cannibalised some of Twix's sales, maybe. Well, they're a bit like a flake, aren't they? But with a wrapping, like a chocolate. They are wrapping. very much like. A, I think that's what they are. Yeah, uh, a flake rolled in chocolate. Eight was a whisper. Say that again. Whisper. <laughs> Nine, everyone's favourite Mars bar. I oh, see. See, uh, no, I, oh, I'm not a fan of Mars bars. No, I've gone off them. I liked them when I was a kid, but uh, I quite like them out of the freezer, out of the fridge. You know, when the the, the soft centres mm. a bit harder. Anyway, number ten was a flake, which is the picture behind us. For those yeah, there's, a, the there's a. Do you remember? I used, there's an app uh, for anyone who's who's listened to this purely uh, with their ears and not their eyes. Um, we've got a picture of the woman enjoying a flake. I'll be honest, in a very phallic, phallic fashion. Uh, For an advert, when they're in that, where um, she's running a bath. And I remember even as a kid watching that going, just feeling really stressed out that all the water was overspilling. It's a bit like if you do a poo in the bath, isn't it? It's the sort of mess it makes. No, no, very different. Very different. (laughs) No, a water overflowing (laughs) out. Looks like some sort of dirty protest. Very different. Uh, but the thing I have a problem with flakes is that if you eat a flake um, and a little bit of um, a little crumb of the flake falls onto your clothes, which it always does, mm. if you swipe it away, it always smudges. Mm. Uh, so to get it off without smudge or smear, you have to be like forensic, like a safe for taking it off. And, um, shake and blow. Like, yes, that's not mm. bad. That's a solution for a, a lot of problems. <laughs> Um, so, uh, 
Isn't that right, young lady, eating your flake <laughs> in the bath? Oh, that was uh, our number 13 was a Kit Kat Crunchy. Uh, number 14, chocolate bars here. Double Decker on the list here. Haven't you? Double Decker. Is Double Decker one of your, is what to say? Double Decker? Let me tell you about the Double Decker. My grandfather, wonderful, wonderful man called George, he collected Double Decker coupons and one day came back with a suitcase, a briefcase rather, full of Double Deckers. And he opened them up like that scene in Pulp Fiction where it went. Mm. And I was very excited. My cousin went, I don't like Double Deckers. Um, <laughs> um, in fact, he, he, he was more of a Mars Bars man. Uh, and uh, I've always had a soft spot for them. And wow, I often buy them. They are they're, soft. They're yeah. And they, but they've also got a lovely sort of Rice Krispie thing going on. Because after that was the f- Cadbury's Fruit and Nut Milky Bar, which isn't real chocolate, apparently. It was 17. Uh, we've all been lied to on that one, apparently. In order to be classified as real chocolate, product has to contain cocoa solids or cocoa liqueur, white chocolate contains cocoa butter instead so apparently it doesn't really fit in 18 was Bourneville, which was my dad's i always remember that 19 lindor not a chocolate bar really is it don't know why that's no. on the list 20 was fry's turkish delight which is my mum's favorite and i think is weird not a chocolate yeah. bar no. uh, number 20 now uh, number 21 dime bar <laughs> armadillos armadillos what yes. a great Great advertising campaign that was um, with Harry Enfield there. Yeah, uh, you're a bit not... thick, aren't you? you know that? <laughs> Can't it. say that anymore. Star bar as well, Galaxy Caramel, Aero. Number 30 was Yorkie. Obviously the best bar to open your front door with, Ben. <laughs> your key. Your key. Oh, Jesus. Um, you, so, so we, we're, on to the, we're on to the tasting. Um, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, it's only taken us 45 minutes. Yeah. Uh, I have, uh, it was very nice to see the Kit Kat placing in there. Interestingly, yeah. Mars went for an alternative to the Kit Kat, which they called Snick Snack, which is pretty, pretty cheeky. But they also called it a Sprint at one point. Mm. Uh, but my first chocolate bar is not a Sprint. It's a marathon. Yes, it certainly is. <laughs> uh, it really was a marathon getting to this point. Now, some of you will know this is the Snickers bar. Uh, it's marathon to us. They renamed it in 1990. Recently, they had a campaign, actually, to uh, put marathons back on shelves for the 30th anniversary. And um, they put them on with their with their real name, Ben. So you might see some of those in Martin McColls and other news agents. Um, and what I liked about the Snickers is the caramel, the peanuts, um, and these are some of the flavour profiles you get in your Mantuano. So um, yeah. as we said, this is a column still rum with batch kettle and pot still rums all blended together, made molasses, sugar cane, Asian American oak. So as Ben was saying earlier, you get a lot of vanilla on the nose. Um, also get mm. some um, some uh, slight cherry, maybe cinnamon mm. in there, Ben. You get any cinnamon? Slight winey yeah. note. Slight winey note as well um, for all you well, wine well, you know. out there, like us. Um, it's uh, it it's it smells like it's going to be it's got a bit of bruised banana in there, Tom. Yeah. Okay. I like that. It smells like it's going to be quite sweet, and then you taste it. Mm. Oh. And it is sweet, but it's quite—it's quite light. It's not—it's not like a rich, chocolatey sweetness. It's sort of got a bit of uh, acidity. Is the wrong word because it's still quite rich. It's well, the kind of um, you know the caramel you get in a Twix. Yes, or indeed, 
a Snickers. Not, not yes, but not the Mars bar. The Mars bar caramel is considerably heavier, in my view. And I, I, you can see the legs on the yeah. on the spirit as they come down the side of the glass. We talk about legs. Sorry, my glass looks like it should have had a polish. And also, it's whiskey glass that one. Um, it's uh, if you can see that on the on the on the screen, the legs are the trail that the spirit leaves down the side of the glass, and the speed at which the legs flow down the side of the glass uh, determines um, potentially how much alcohol there is in there, but also the level of oak extraction uh, there's, there is going on. So the, the slower it takes, the more you can tell it's taken some of those oak components mm. into the spirit. And it tastes like a raisiny. There's the vanilla in there. There's the cinnamon I was talking about. It's a very, um, um, very good bridge between sort of mixing rums and, and, and sipping rums, isn't it? It's got that lovely um, lightness to it that mm. you could imagine using it in a highball or a... Yes. Um, it's, it's, it's a perfect versatility. It's got a lot of versatility, Tom. It has. Um, um, I like it and it goes it does go with the Snickers but let's be honest if you're treating yourself at Christmas to a, to a luxury well, you've got to go posh um, so I think we should do a, um, I've done posh and uh, for want of a better word pauper yes peasant chocolate peasant yeah mm. what have you got uh, then because you, you talked about your but we don't really well, I, double I mean, decker that, I was just doing that for my uh, for my my late grandfather who was a lovely man um, mm. and I always feel bad that our reaction to his Double decker stash was underwhelming. He looked so gutted. And as a father now, I realise how you feel when you think you're going to give your kids something really cool and they're, they're a bit bothered. It's a pretty gutting. Anyway, um, I eat a lot of them just for him. But I'm going for um, so I've gone for three um, post chocolates for, to go with each rum from one um, uh, from one producer, and that producer right. is um, very artisan. Or uh, very, very artisan and very uh, uh, doing very good things. They're called Harry Spectres and they're based in Cambridge and they're a social enterprise set up by a, a couple, Mona and Shaz, and their son Ash, who is autistic. Um, and as well as making some amazing chocolate, which, and it is amazing, they also do really good stuff. They create employment and, and work experience for, for young autistic people. Mm. Um, and so they, um, the autistic employees and, and work experience people are getting, they get involved in, 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 it's not just a token thing. They get involved in all aspects of the business from the packaging design to making the chocolates. And it's the whole thing is designed to give, give these autistic people confidence, improve their employability. And, um, they work with lots of local, um, special needs schools and organizations, and they raise awareness of, of autism employment among other businesses locally and nationally. Uh, and this is a big thing. I mean, uh, lots of autism. There's lots of chill, uh, young people who have various uh, degrees of autism um, and they are perfectly capable of living very good lives and being employed in, in enterprises that, where their skills are, are, are very valued. So um, they've been doing this since 2015 and they've improved the lives and, 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 and confidence of of more than 500 people uh, with autism and they've, you know, they work with their carers and everything. And so it's, it's really, really good uh, what they're doing. Um, and, and what's brilliant about it. And I think what's crucial and whenever they have some of these social enterprises is that the, the thing that the company, the thing that they produce or, or they make or that the whole 
idea of the business needs to stand up on its own, regardless of, of whether they're doing good things elsewhere. And this does, this chocolate is amazing. Right. Um, I mean, I'll be honest, Tom, if this company was selling asbestos to orphans, I'd still eat it. It's absolutely brilliant. The fact they're doing yeah, okay. some wonderful things with young autistic people is, is great, but the chocolate is wonderful. And with the Mantuano, um, I'm going for uh, the, just, I'm going to go for the hazelnut because I think there's a nutty Definitely. element to it. Definitely. I um, think that's, that's, uh, that is one of those flavor profiles that I've picked up on. Yeah. Um, and I'm really good stuff. Yeah. Uh, I, like you, went and did some posh chocolate buying. Uh, and I picked up the, um, I went into Waitrose because Waitrose uh, sells our Diplomatico rums, yeah. but also sells fancy chocolate. Of posh and they've got their own brand of single origin chocolate. And actually that's one of the, one of the, recommendations from Diplomatico themselves has suggested some of these uh, Waitrose chocolates and they've got a whole they've got a whole range of, uh, of posh, posh chocolates. So I, I'm actually going to go with the single origin Dominican Republic which is 65% cocoa on this one um, but I'm going to come back to that because I might use that I'm going to I think I'm going to use that again and um, uh, what, well, it's worth saying when you take this out of the pot Packet. Look at that! It's oh, like a gold wrapper. It does actually like feel Willy a bit Monkers. like Willy it ticket. It does. It feels like I'm on, I'm going to get an invite to the Dominican Republic. No, no, I'm not. Not at the uh, moment. Dark Ooh, chocolate good crunch. Good crunch there. Jeez, it hasn't even been in the fridge. Let's have that. Yeah. Let's see what my uh, mine's got a soft uh, soft interior. I'm really low. Like you, Ben. Hard exterior but soft yeah. on the inside. Um. I think my exterior is getting softer, more eating mm. this chocolate. Mm. Oh, nice. Beautiful. Oh, right, we should probably say something rather than just eat chocolate. Um, it's really nice. And that's what you should be pairing. <laughs> you should be pairing that. Um, uh, the single origin chocolate, just for those who don't know what that means, is just that it's been made from one variety of cacao, which you can see behind me uh, i always think it's strange to see what chocolate looks like before it becomes chocolate if you can see the video it's a big orange almost like a skinny pumpkin actually isn't it um mm. and uh, the beans inside it have characteristics a bit like terroir a bit like wine ben with your grapes yeah uh, the terroir all about that the, the, you do uh so my dominican republic is 65 percent of that uh and it's it's a big part of what these countries are doing so people like waitrose are going directly to the small farm producers and supporting the smaller economies. So that's good. They're doing good stuff as well at Waitrose. And so we're eating chocolate that makes us feel good and makes yeah. other people feel good. What's next then? Should right, we move we're on going to, to our... Reserva Exclusiva and the chocolate. So so with when when pairing chocolate with this, you've got to consider the fact that it's it's a, it's bigger than a Mantuano in terms of its character. It's more complex potentially. It's, Got some of the flavors in there. Like you've got you got your bit of fruit cake, autumnal fruits, bit of rum and raisin. You know, like the Ben and Jerry's rum and raisin ice cream. Mm. You get a bit of that cocoa. Um, there's a tiny touch of ginger in there. Um, we found. I mean, we know this because I mean, we we I've got to say we have drunk a lot of this. Um, um, and go back to my bananas. I like a 
Uh, I remember Oz Clark talking uh, that he's a wine writer of similar status to us, um, who once described a red wine as uh, bruised bananas in a in a leather satchel, and I thought okay. so. That's not nice. one of the flavour profiles here, but you've got baked bananas with fudge sauce. That's what we've gone for. Mm. Um, a bit of toffee. There's, if I was to say, nutmeg. Do you know? Um, yeah. That, yeah. That kind of, but not that sort of overwhelming. Nutmeg can be quite overwhelming, but it's, it's the, nut, the sort of flavour you get when nutmeg is used. Um, and then you've got walnuts, hazelnuts, nuts, essentially. I'd go... Uh, I'd go generic there. It's nutty, mm. but it's it's really really lovely. And in terms of chocolate, I'm I'm going to go. Should I go for my peasant one first? Do them both, mate. I see. Peasant one first. Got to go for it. My favourite. Uh, minstrels. Oh, I know you love those minstrels. But you know what? I've loved touring them for ten years has made me yeah. very familiar with your affection. I love a minstrel. Minstrels. Um, my friend at school used to say that if I got grumpy or moody, they used to say I had pre-minstrel tension because I hadn't eaten enough of the minstrels. <laughs> Not something to joke about, though, girls, is it? No, 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 no. Um, I feel your pain, sisters. Um, it's, but they are so nice. They don't mm. melt. You can crunch into them without trying to take the shell off with your teeth. That's a fun game to have. Mm. Um, I used to buy a family bag of these plus a super can of Coke on the way back from school, oh. and then watch Neighbours. It was great days. The, and then go to the dentist. <laughs> and, and then, yeah. And then... Feelings. Uh, and then off, <laughs> offered my diabetes check. Um, um, uh, yeah, you do eat them like Smarties, as we were discussing earlier. Um, yeah. They're, they're big, like Smarties, they're, they're but they're Smarties. massive. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think if you let the, if you let the rum breathe... Uh, and then have a bit of, uh, and then warm these minstrels up in the palm so they become mm. a little softer. Mm. It is absolutely amazing. But bear in mind, I'd eat minstrels with anything. Um, so it's probably not a fair, a fair match. So I'm going to go for something even better. And that's my dark orange, um, my dark orange Harry Spectres. Uh, which is like a thinking, a thinking eaters, thinking drinkers, um, normal chocolate orange. Um, and it's apps. This is my favorite 60%. It's really soft in the middle, and the orange. Oh my god, it's so good! It is so good, and it really goes, it's got a caramel taste to it, which really goes with the sweet caramel in the rum. So, that is what I would go for. I am I'm, my I'm cho chocolate orange. What have you gone for? I have gone for <clears throat> two things. Mm -hmm. um, I've gone for a Twix. Well, actually, what I was going to do was I was going to go for a Twix first off. Um, Can I just and, say I'm really enjoying this? Yeah, this is buying chocolate and drinking rum. One of the best really, tastings we've ever done. Oh, imagine. Um, uh, my uh, my video's frozen there, folks. If you can't see me, me yeah. testing my Twix, I was going to go with the Twix, and then um, I tried for the Snickers again. I mean, it's worth saying I've got a box of celebrations in front of me, and um, oh, I've put my Twix in my Snickers, my Snickers in my Twix packet there, Ben. I've oh, got my, God. I've got my Snickers. It. I've 
got my Snickers in a Twix. <laughs> and very good. Very good, puns. Tom. Yeah, I was going to get a whisper. I was going to get a whisper, yeah. uh, but I seem to have lost that. Careless whisper. Must be George Michaels. Care. Yeah. <laughs> on that one? You can have that one. I would, chocolate I, orange. Okay. We've got chocolate so, orange. I was going to do a chocolate orange, and um, and I do think... Uh, as of my video completely disappears. <laughs> Keep going. I, I, I do think the um, the Terry's Chocolate Orange is a good mix with the Reserva Exclusiva. Uh, yeah. And my wife loves Terry's Chocolate Orange. Claire is a big fan of these. And I do think it's worth saying at Christmas, you're probably going to pick up some of those traditional chocolates that you and the whole family like. So if you end up with a, uh, a Terry's Chocolate Orange, that's not a bad match at all. No. We're talking peasants versus posh, paupers versus posh. It might be regarded as the peasants' version, but actually, it's a, it's 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 all right. That that does work. But if you do want to keep it posh, go back to the Waitrose selection, and um, they have got a single origin uh, orange and almond, uh, which is uh, a fantastic, um, fantastic chocolate bar, and um, uh, it's Ecuadorian and it's sixty percent um, cocoa. So it's it's got its single origin status. It's got orange and almonds in there as well. Um, Ecuador, just as an aside, produces four percent of the world production of cocoa. So um, it's it's good gear. But they're also mm. responsible for seventy percent of the upper class cocoa that we eat. So Waitrose oh. has uh, Waitrose has gone yeah. gone for a good one. They know there. their market. They know their they market. Do. Yeah. Um, but it goes back to that with the Reserva Exclusiva, that slightly orangey note that it does have. It has that kind of fine citrus edge to it, which um, when you pair it with an orange chocolate. Oh, so good. Is, I, I really, really, so good. I mean, honestly, I don't, I, you hear about pairings and quite often you go, yeah, yeah, whatever. If you like, if you like the, if you like the drink and you like the food and put it together, it's so, it's rare that you think, well, that's not a particularly nice experience. But when you add some two things together and that and the combination of the two is greater than the parts, that's when you're onto a winner. And with mm. this, I think it, the chocolate orange and the Diplomatica Reserva Exclusiva is genuinely something that works. It is. Um, Good. Well, I'm glad we agree, Tom. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to have to say that my video has completely stopped now. So did mine, uh, but I, we can hear you. And, I'm and we'll, keep it, we'll keep it going with the podcast. So just uh, go and tune into the podcast, folks. Yeah. Um, I've worked I out what still it is. See you. I can still see you, but you're just uh, static. Oh, I've got nothing on my screen. But there we go. Uh, That's all right. Well, there you go. Well, we're going um, to go to the last. We're going to go to the last. Uh, familia Selección. Selección de Familia. So this is, this is, I mean, this is a good, this is a good this beer now for us. Uh, £54.95 a bottle of this will cost from the Whiskey Exchange. Worth getting involved in, Expensive, especially if you've, if you've got a yeah. bar. Yeah. Uh-huh. If you've, if you've got into the Reserva Exclusiva, go into this. Now, this is going to be slightly drier rum, a bit yeah. more complex than the Diplomatico Reserva Exclusiva. It's 43% ABV, so it has got a bit more intensity in its flavour. Um, it's still got the Reserva Exclusiva Diplomatico, uh, the sort of signature smoothness they talk about so something that runs through all their rums and it was launched this year to to really deal with the people who wanted a, a step up from it who still like their 
reserve exclusiver in the drinks cabinet, but also want mm. to explore a bit in a different direction. So this rum is slightly different on the nose. And if you have it in front of you now, yeah. you can smell it. And it's got a guy, it's got a lot more of the orange in there, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's got um, it's kind of like a fruity, fruity jelly sort of orange. Um, but the peel as well, quite oh. zesty. Uh, and then there's a caramel. Uh, it's slightly lighter. It's got, oh, it's got some um, definitely caramel, some sort of barley caramelly sort of smells in there. I'm going to taste it. Mm. Boom. Boom. Um, yeah, that's, oh God, that's good. That's big. But there's the spice in there. And uh, slightly, uh, up, up in the ante slightly in the alcohol heat. It's got coffee. So it's, it's got very nice, got that. Mm. You know, you get that berry-like flavor. You'd in, you know, you may have like a proper hipster coffee. Yeah, it costs like fifteen pounds. Yeah, a glu- a, a mug. Um, yeah. You get that lovely berry-like fruit flavor. Yeah, a bit of that in there as well. It's brilliant. It's really, really good rum for sipping neat. And we'll go back. We'll probably go back to the Dominican Republic for my pairing there, Ben. I'm not. I, I I'd say much as I love our our sort of. Our celebrations and territory. Yeah, I, I, I don't, don't think this is really one for mucking about with that. No, at all. no, no. Um, so I'll go back to my uh, my. Well, for sixty five percent, the Dominican Republic uh, gear. You see, Dominican Republic, a really great chocolate producer, one hundred fifty thousand hectares planted with cocoa uh, by forty thousand different producers. So. Um, and, and Waitrose obviously deals with a lot of those those smaller guys and gets it direct from source. But they also. I'm going to up the ante because the 65% wow. actually, I was talking to the guys from Diplomatico and they said that's a really good one, the waitress. But if you go to the 90%, oh, the 90% on. is a bit more bitter. It's got a lot of those stronger sort of coca notes. It's quite, it's quite challenging for some people if they like. It's not cooking chocolate, chocolate, is it? It's not. It's still, it's still the single origin. Do you um, ever, if, if you're looking for chocolate in the house and you haven't got any, but you're really craving it, would you ever? Stoop to a uh, yes. chocolate, yeah, yeah, absolutely. More, I did did it this last week. We were doing um, yeah. rice Christmas rice crispy cakes with the chocolate, and it was the only chocolate in the fridge. And I I picked it up and said to my yeah. wife, "Can I? Can I have this, please?" And she she vetoed it because it was right, for the kids. Um, were you? Did it let you out your cage? Yes. <laughs> please, can I have some? He's cooking chocolate. Don't hit me. She's put me under the stairs. Oh, you cannot. You naughty, you naughty little boy. You think you're, you think you're a wizard? Um, which is a Harry Potter reference. Anyone who's read Harry Potter. Great books. Uh, books. Great chocolate. And it really, that, when it comes to Diplomatico, you should be, you should be using luxury chocolate across the board. And when it gets to, yeah. it gets to that end, right. not, uh, that bitterness actually brings out a lot of the sweetness in the rum itself so yeah. it's uh ah oh, gorgeous gorgeous well i um i've gone for their their classic harry specter's dark classic slab we call it uh, i like that because it's just okay. like not much about yeah a 60 percent dark chocolate with and they've got roasted cocoa nibs in there and they've also got a bit of vanilla a cocoa nibs like is that extra chocolate in chocolate? Just they've they've, like chocolate they've, they've done sixty percent chocolate and thought, hang on, there's not enough chocolate <laughs> in <this> chocolate. <laughs> put some more in. Right, let's put some more in, and they put in. So they've got the also the cocoa butter, but it's it's really 
really intense. Mm. But the nibs, the texture of it, just oh, it's really good gear. Mm. And then with the with the um, Celestion de Famille, um, it's really the the vanilla sort of dovetails. Good word there, dovetails with the um, the vanillins from the oak. So I think it's a really good pairing. And after this is we've pressed stop on the record, I'm going to keep doing this because it's Friday and it's locked down, <laughs> and I'm going to sit there. I might make a fire. And just stare into my my wood burning stove, middle class, yeah. and just keep doing this because it is one of the most pleasurable pairings of food and drink I've ever had. I don't want to tell you. And I'm helping people. You're helping. You're helping people. We're helping uh, communities in no. uh, in developing countries. No. We're helping autistic people. No. We're we're helping Venezuelans by no. drinking their product. Um, drinking their rum, we are I'm just. Be people a, I'm soon going to be a burden on the NHS because I'm essentially <laughs> self-harming with rum and chocolate. But now's not the time, mate. Now's not the time. <laughs> it's not. Give them some breathing space. I clap for them. The least I can do is sort me out. Ah, <laughs> uh, there we go. Uh, the 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 images we've been putting up on our our video have finally crashed you as well yeah. uh it turns out we're just we've been drinking too much <laughs> the video element of our podcast is coming crashing down well, i mean i'm wrist. just looking around my the, my desk i have got three bottles of rum two <laughs> bowls of crickets a pouch of wine a hobgoblin beer and lots of chocolate and a glass of water which i should probably i'm going to throw some cognac into that mix as well mm. as a box of celebrations and hasn't it been a celebration and, and that also, is there's one last thing i've got is my three uh gold tankers for my british guild of beer writing beer writer of the year awards ah and in a distance i can see my beautiful um decanter from the iwsc for yeah. winning spirits community no, of the year. not two people you punch down to really not is really is it well, bell end right <sighs> anyway so that's that and that brings us to the end of our fantastic series on rum which i think we have delved into every element of it the mm. history the cocktails the neat sipping with chocolate uh, we told you everything you need to know if you didn't if it's your first time you dipped into this go back and listen to episodes dipped one and two we'll give you, and, yeah. yeah i did yeah. yeah go back to uh, the chronology and the history behind it um a massive thank you to diplomatico who sent yeah. us all this rum Brilliant. We can tell you to go out and buy it. They did send us some of this. Although I have bought some, they have actually sent us some free rum. So that was very good of them. Uh, they are, they are. We're going to keep banging on about how good they are. They are a good, good crowd. They're 100% family-owned Venezuelan company. Uh, Venezuela has a lot of challenges at the moment, so do go and support mm-hmm. their economy by buying some of their rum. And it is an independent family-owned company. Family-owned company. So that's that's quite a good thing as well, isn't it? And they also support their local communities. We should say they. They actually uh, provide jobs and some works for, for, for people in Venezuela who, are, who at the moment really need it. They care about their planets, our planets as well. They do a lot for the sugar industry, uh, sugar development, science, farming. Uh, in fact, Ben, there's a new new strain of sugar called Diplomatico. Diplomatica. Diplomatica. A uh, new variety of sugarcane uh, because of the 10 years of working with researchers and science that they've they've been involved in new to help sugar that's amazing it's like finding yeah. a new color yeah isn't it? Uh, so that's pretty cool uh so they're a great company and they've been great rums so thank you very much for for getting involved but i think that's probably it for a I while think, i it? think we've probably we were saying this was going to be a short one it hasn't but anyway i think um 
Size matters. It's good. Well done. <laughs> We're going to be going away for a couple of weeks now, aren't we, Ben? Because yeah, we're really to, to finish our book. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, that is a priority for us, pod bods. So if you've been enjoying these pods, please tell everyone there's plenty of content for people to go back yeah. and listen to if they haven't heard of us before spread the news spread don't the spread news. the virus mm. um, but we will be away for a few weeks now so we will don't worry get on all the socials and tell you when we're back and live with our next podcast and also we are coming back there will be some theater dates believe it or not we're going to be back in theaters a lot sooner than you think and Funny enough, a lot sooner than we thought. So we've also, as well as writing a book, we've got to write a show. So um, uh, the pods won't be going out with quite the irregularity that it has done. But don't worry, this is not the end. It's the beginning of a new chapter. Indeed. Okay. Thanks for listening, everybody. We Cheers. love you guys. Love you Cheers. Guys. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.